What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to, I believe this is episode 16. I'm losing track at this point because I'm doing so many of these, but I have a special guest, somebody that I really enjoy reading his stuff. I got Fiori from Twitter, cigar connoisseur, European playboy, a fellow long-haired brother of mine. <coughs> uh, just excited to have you on, man. Uh, it's going to be, I, I hope, a, I hope a great yeah. conversation. We're gonna, I wanted to really talk to you about cigars and, and things like the yeah. cigars and the commitment of time and the art of, of smoking, because it kind of forces you to, yeah. to kind of sit back and yeah. want to talk about some, some other things because you're very, like, I was, I was just talking to you about off camera. You're a very good yeah. writer. Yeah. And uh, just from my understanding is English isn't your first language, is it? No, technically it's not because, you know, uh, here we speak Dutch a little bit. And my parents were like technically immigrants. So I'm what you would call second generation, if that's the term. But to tie in directly why I think a lot of the Americans on the timeline, they like me so much, the Twitter timeline, is because I grew up watching 13 plus, 1300 plus Hollywood movies. I have a mm. spreadsheet somewhere. And I was really fascinated by all those movies. Like I'm talking like Jean-Claude Van Damme, you know, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger, yeah. like old school stuff. And all those archetypical natures the way they speak everything is right there in my brain and that's why i consider it at least from a thinking point of view my first language so mm. if you pry my head open you would see you know a uh, mental chatter in the form of the english language that's awesome Do you, are you getting a bit of an echo no i'm not just on my end it just might be on my end give me one second here settings that might that might be a bit better for me there we go can you hear me okay yeah i'm hearing you still good dude cool <clears throat> all, right. all right cool so that should be fine so so when you grew up, you watched a bunch of movies. What's your favorite movie? I really like uh, 300 <laughs> with uh, King Leonidas and Gerard yeah. Butler. I like that a lot. It's it, They are not allowed to make such movies anymore today, I think. <laughs> I, I don't think they're able to make anything. I think the, um, there's, a, there's a movie that I watched that I really yeah. enjoyed, and it was a Matthew McConaughey movie called The Gentleman. Yeah, you I watched that it? as well. Have great. you seen that? It's a great movie. And, and he said, and whoever wrote it was, was absolutely phenomenal because I believe the quote in the movie goes, said to be the, the law of the jungle is to be the king. There has to be no question. Yeah. Right. And the, the way that I think they make films these days, I think most of the films that they make are bullshit. They're, they're yeah. very, they're very soy and they, they lack, I guess soy <laughs> is the word to use, but they lack the, they just, they, they lack so many things. I don't even know yeah. the word for it, but. Yeah, it, there's so a lot of Disney pill in it as well. What I call like the Disney pill. So let's say red pill, blue pill, but it goes mm -hmm. worse than that. It's like romanticism back in the day. You had Rousseau and Baudelaire and other people who had its place back then. You know, you could woo girls standing under the balcony, like Romeo and Juliet or some shit. That worked back then. But they took it up a couple notches and like distilled that into some trash ass stuff that you cannot teach a young boy and like you see it in those marvel uh what was it spider-man coming from home the second one 
how did he get Mary Jane at the end? It was absolute garbage. At the end, I walked out of that movie. I said to my cousin, you know what Peter Parker did? He said, yes, yes. I said, everything he did, don't do that. Just smash it on the first day. <laughs> and like everything he did, the exact opposite. Like it was garbage as hell. I, I didn't even think I watched those. I didn't even think I watched those because I remember just, I, I there's so much degeneration that's going on now and these, yeah. these themes throughout movies that I don't even want to program my my brain yeah. with right one of the one of the types of genres of movies i will never watch and i hate is horror movies yeah oh Trans. i hate that as well of all the movies that i yeah i don't watch those yeah i agree and we're not talking like stephen king like uh no. the shining or anything like that which is scary it's a scary movie but these other horror movies where there's there's too many jump scares and there it's a lot of special effects because i, I just don't think that when you when you sit there and watch something right television right if you think of the yeah. word television right? Tell a vision, right? Yeah. And spelling, right? When we spell words is, is comes from spell casting, right? Yeah, Speaking yeah, yeah. words into existence is, is something yeah, yeah, like yeah. magic, right? So I don't even want to program my brain with, with those types of things because the more you see yeah. it, the more that the things I think exist in your subconscious, yeah. the higher chance there is where it's you know it's that kind of thing where you don't know what you don't know but the higher chance yeah. that there is for for something to happen like that in in your dreams and i'd rather exactly. not have nightmares so yeah, yeah yeah i got you oh that's a good one actually that reminds me what i do like instinctively and reflexively these days very much so like your sentiment that you tried to convey like me and my bro we always say the devil hears so let's say you have a plan and it's a business plan and you need to type it out between him and you know the, him and you that's allowed. Like, hey, we're going to do this. You have to type or you have to call. You have to speak it out. Yeah. But mm -hmm. if it's not between you and me, this business deal, you know, it's not coming out of your mouth in this direction and that direction because the devil mm -hmm. can catch that. And honing in on that, always like use the positive words. Like, um, what did my friend yesterday say? I need to turn my cash flow from X, Y, Z to that. I said, you don't need to do anything. There are only three things you need to do. That's water, food, and breathe. And it's yep. like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. Necessity is overused or on the timeline they love to say uh when a girl um i had a good tweet or something like uh, oh yeah uh, if you scroll on the ig girls uh like a very beautiful girl you scroll down you see when she was really young and innocent right and some of them they devolve a little bit to put it quite uh generous and at the end you see the last photo you see she's a little bit gone you know you can have fun with her but she's not um marriage type for most guys let's put it like that and um some guy said, oh, that's very sad, man. I said, bro, watch your language, man. You know, stay away with that filthy language. It's sad when your main lover, the woman you love, dies or your kid dies or your mother or father dies if you care about them or your brother dies. And then you can shed a tear. That's the masculinity. Doesn't mean that I don't feel it, but I won't audibly acknowledge it in any so fashion. It might mm -hmm. slip around there or something like, oh, this, this is not sad at all. There's on the spectrum of one to 10, like the, the 10 level that is sad, that's like, you know, one of your yeah, siblings yeah. or some shit, or one of your really good bros, you know? Um, uh, for example, I think you knew Hamiz better than me, for example, right? That yeah. That's more impactful, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's, I believe it's very important to be deliberate with your words. And yeah. that's something that I have made a point to do as I get older. Yeah, because what you say matters. And if you say something in a very convicted way, people begin to take that as gospel. Right. And especially with some of the things that, that I do in terms of 
being able to speak and, and educate mm -hmm. in the way that I do. And even, even on the show, I, I do my best to be deliberate with, with my words. And sometimes mm -hmm. you can't find the words to say or you, something is on the tip of your tongue. But I think people should be more deliberate with the things they say and the, and the yeah. words and the vocabulary that they use. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Because you don't want to be the type of person that is just saying random things and not, and not meaning what they say. Yeah. You know, um, a small like tangent towards this. I think like given that we're like kind of content creators, if one of your bros or a lot of bros actually say, yo, David or yo, Fury, you're actually quite quotable and it catches you kind of off guard, we'll be like, I was not trying to achieve that at all. I was just trying yeah. to make my points, not mince my words, be gentleman enough, you know, uh, especially if you care about the person, you don't want to be too blunt, but uh, you're dropping basically value and gold that is not seen on any type of timeline, you know? And they'd be like, yo, you're very quotable. I could quote you all day. And me and my bros have that. You, bro, I could tag you all time on the Twitter timeline, but th there's no point in that, you know? But that is that, you know, impactful, uh, like lightning bolts to the heart kind of beat. Yeah, lightning bolts to the heart. I like that. I like yeah. that. I think he said, I, uh, I think you said, I stole it. I stole it, bro. See, <clears throat> some, some of the things I've, I've done, actually, uh, I put yeah. something out yesterday, but, mm -hmm. you know, it, some of the things that, that I do, I do very purposefully, yeah. right? And then I'm sure you've kind of seen, I, I had a couple things go viral and, and some things that you can bait for engagement. And oh, anybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and I want to talk about this because when you use words that actually go and, and attack the the psyche right mm -hmm. so there's and i and i spoke about this before because it's something i remember when i was in training for my, my sales job and i think it was 22 yeah the the guy who was training us he says people are motivated in two ways they're motivated in shame with shame and ego mm -hmm. yeah now at the most primal level that's what we're talking about right you can you can use other things one of my friends uh farshad sarathi i had him on the i had him on the show but he, he's me and him, we, we talk all the time and he talks about how people can be motivated by vision and tying in that vision with where they want to be and things like that. Absolutely mm -hmm. true. Right. But at a primal level, you're motivated by things that make you happy and things that make you sad, pain and pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And when you use words, right. In this way of spell casting, you can say, yeah. when you use words that, that actually attack, they, they, completely shatter someone's reality yeah and the way that that's done is very deliberate it's very like i cut when i when i write it out i know and i sometimes i change the words and i edit it just to to yeah, 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 this yeah. point a little bit further right yeah. the uh, one of the super viral tweets i had i got 23 million impressions in two days right my <laughs> ego went into, i put my ego into overdrive because yeah. I, I remember ruby you know, you know, Ruby on Twitter. Yeah, Ruby, yeah, yeah. Hit, Ruby hit me up and he said, you need to go further with this. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you what you do is you take the things that people are saying and you just you completely are able to reverse you, you reverse the frame, right? Yeah, the yeah. framing of the conversation and what you're able to do is start attacking them with words That's and interesting, making yeah. them read it. And it's all about the way that the words are written. Yeah. And as they read it, instead of saying like, most people right are using kind of filler words like most people or making generalizations about i mm -hmm. can't or how or instead of phrasing things as questions phrase them statements yeah yeah yeah. Right? yeah like like and then you use the words you and you speak in second person you know this from reading books when something is it or poems when poems are written in you instead mm -hmm. of i or them if a book's yeah. written in third person 
it's yeah. not going to have the same effect as a, as a book yeah, that's yeah, written yeah. in first person. Yeah. Or a poem that's written in third person is not going to have the same effect as a second person, right? Interesting, so, yeah. So Twitter, it's all about the, the frame and, and the point of view of, of the character that, that you are, that you're playing, or the personification of, of who you're playing on Twitter. Because everyone, yeah. I believe, on, on Twitter, and especially on social media, becomes a bit of a personification of themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny, yeah. I, I realized that as well, yeah. So when, so, and I, and I noticed like, I, and I, I spoke about it the other day it's, and I, and I kind of know when something's going to pop because you, when you do this for so long, you kind of know when, when something's going to go. But uh, yeah. I wrote this tweet about people who go to Southeast Asia and I was like, okay. And I, and I remember I was laying in bed and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm writing and I go, hmm, let me reframe this first statement instead yeah. of how do these people know? I can't believe that these people do this. This is baffling. You okay. could and then I yeah. and then I put the reader, and I hope people listen to this because I think there's some pe- <laughs> some people very who who don't yeah. they don't they don't understand right they don't understand human psychology and they don't understand yeah, yeah, yeah. that the things that are being done are absolutely deliberate. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. bold, definitely. bold, outlandish statement. Yeah, making this the statement seem easy, making this bold, outlandish thing that you claim seem easy, and then yeah seeing uh then using something like a something some sort of motivation or some some sort of inspirational thing that could be that could be construed as something else right that could be construed as you bragging and then you just reinforce the bold outlandish claim and then and then people go fucking crazy yeah yeah yeah. you see that a lot with like direct response marketing the way copies build up i was inspired a lot by uh, the twitter guru goats and the way when I want to create a sales page, I go that route. If I'm more like almost like that, that like, you know, like speaking on my mail list or maybe a telegram post or, you know, I just keep it as if talking to a friend. But if I want to go that route, it's very powerful to use the, the copy techniques. And, and it's, it's interesting because I, so I've studied copy, but yeah. not to the point where like most people have. And yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, always, gotcha. I've always kind of personally been a, a talented writer and, and you seem like you're a very talented writer. And I thought for a period of my life, especially growing up, that that's what I wanted to do was, was write, write stories. Um, the ability to be a good storyteller, I think is the, especially with the spoken word and also being able to write, I think are two of the most powerful skills that, that you can have as a human. Can you yeah. hear it's true. Yeah, I can hear you, man. It's more so the, I would want to add there that I had, well, it's not an epiphany. I think somebody else tweeted it out a couple of days later, but it's that copywriting is the verbal version of sales. You know, the same tricks that you do with sales in copywriting on a sales page or landing page, you do almost very similar stuff, especially mm-hmm. in the sequencing or how the, how does a Todd Brown guy call it? Like uh, the CPB, the claim proof benefit. In a sales, or even when dating a chick, you do the exact same stuff. Claim, I have so much money or I'm this cool. Proof, yo, check it this, blah, blah, blah. These are your benefits. And then you, you convert, bring it down the funnel, you know? I think yeah. Bush V yeah. called that like the fuck funnel or something, you know? It's, but it's all about persuasion and influence, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. So what are you working on right now, bro? Are you- uh, yeah, so me and the Twitter bro, we are a lead generation agency. Um, personal uh, so that is that we are you know cold email like a cold email with you know the the goat you know so uh, an offer similar to that 
Uh, I do that with him. Uh, personally, I'm working on a book right after the, the podcast that I did with uh, James Altucher. And he advised me to create a book that he coined, The Authentic Man. But mm. I have another title for it, and I'm working a little bit on that. And I already have the outline in my head, kind of. And I'm just working on that to, to hone my, to, to make it full circle a little bit, to mm. close the open loop to hone back what made me this kind of, you know? Yeah. So yeah. to respect myself kind of and see how far I can take my voice. Because when I was younger, I always, it's not a dream. It's a little bit stupid to say like that, but like Hemingway, I really respected those guys or Fitzgerald that they have a certain name oh, yeah. that is tied to their writing. You know, if somebody picks it up, they know, you know, or you read a piece or for some people it's Bukowski, you know, very degenerate, yeah. but yeah. very, soaring electric vivid raw disgusting at the same time degenerate you know but it's it's out there you hear his name and you, you know who it is yeah and yeah. in that sense i'm quite egoic as well you know to be a legend like that but i always said i'm not going to be a starving artist you know like if you go into like high sales commissions high ticket stuff you can close way higher but will people i don't know it's that dichotomy will people know your name will people know my name now it's always a tiptoeing balance for me and I'm just trying to see how far I can push it, you know, because a little bit of tying back to what you said, like with manipulating your avatar or something, you know, people never see me post food on Twitter because one, I almost never eat. Second, I'm almost never hungry. And thirdly, like uh, Thomas Shelby in, if you've ever watched the Peaky Blinders, in, in all the episodes, I haven't watched the last season, you know, uh, but in all the episodes, you never see him eating and it's tied to his persona. The same for me. The only thing I care about when I'm out and about or having fun is like either booze, a coffee, a woman or cigars. And then, oh, check out this nice scenery behind behind the cigar or the coffee or the booze. And of course, the nature, you know, you I put my phone away and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of content creation, then that is what they are to be expected. You know, so I put up a new profile photo on my Twitter or something and just because I felt like it, you know, no, no idea behind it, actually. But you can feel how. Some things are like a magic trick that you do almost reflexively. A little bit, just like you said, you can feel it, right? Because you've been in it so long. One guy, he commented something like, well, by now you can just post the hand and the cigar. We will know, you know, that that photo is you or something. Yeah. I'm like, I thought, yeah, he had a point. I didn't go into that. I didn't want to feed his nor mine ego. I live by that phrase of um, Rudyard Kipling's if poem. It's like, neither by disaster or triumph, uh, you are swayed. So that's how I try to keep stoic or centered, you know? I, I do take my praises. I say thank you very much. I, I am quite humble because I know where I'm coming from. And when a disaster hits, I'm not swayed that easily unless, you know, it's very lethal. You know, just like I said, you know, when somebody dies, then it's sad. Other than that, you know, I, I do not try to be swayed by the merely, yeah, NPC, normie, churlish peasantries, you know? How did you... How did you get to the point where I, I apologize, I'm getting some echo. Do you hear that on, on your end? No, not on my side, David. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to the point where you cultivated that? Well, yeah, a friend, he asked me actually to write the travel thread. <laughs> but uh, when I was younger, it was, I would say, like ballpark five years ago. I was a little bit more just reading, you know, overthinking kind of beat. And people coin me shy or introvert. I'm pretty introvert, actually, but more shy, you know, lack of social skills. I think mm -hmm. I saw one of your pictures the other day in, in the group chat that we are like, guys, yeah. keep going. Uh, this was me at this age, this and that. We don't know not to disclose too much. But 
I felt that, you know, I don't make a point of it to talk too much about myself and my past. It has no point, you know, if it shows somebody growth, then I'll share it, you know, and just in this case, for example, it's authentic, but otherwise I just keep it to myself. But uh, the TLDR, I was like, since 2018, I would say, I had this like mini, like red pill moment, this girl, uh, I was madly in love with her. And afterwards, I never felt the same, to be honest. Uh, I think a couple of neural synapses broke or something, uh, but after that i really went not into red pill stuff like reading Rollo to i've never touched that book but more like trying to develop myself become worthy of the man that would attract xyz women that yeah. i am deserving yeah. of in my specific time of my journey and just talk oh i'm i'm not an expert at it but i laugh at guys who are incapable of going out by themselves actually that's for me a 150 million percent sign of sure weakness like soy soy better cup i'm talking about not even try to pull like you know uh, it's fine if your game is weak or whatever that no no fingers pointing there but if you're incapable of sitting at a bar just there drinking your uh, budweiser or whatever american favorite thing is or i'm like yo bro behave yourself go go to i don't know you uh, you can go to ukraine uh go to italy or something uh go go to bologna drink a couple beers with some random ass people cultivate yeah. uh, cultivate that frame that you're unflappable by by nothing basically I, I love that you say that because you know you, you touched on so many different things and, and we'll like I, I want to go take the conversation in a couple different directions but I think Seven. what you just said is is one of the most important things is being able to go out by yourself not even yeah. and you see this man like you see this across so many different people who are maybe just starting out in, in a journey or or they want to yeah. become you know xyz type of person and it's really all about who you want to become sure and a lot of us as guys we have an idea in our head of exactly who we want to be right yeah. what does our life want what does our life look like yeah. right and a lot of guys idolize james bond james yeah. bond oh, yeah, is, isn't going yeah. to the isn't going to the club with his boys he's not going to the bar no. with his boys he pulls up he pulls up at the hotel bar dressed dressed well whether it's a suit <laughs> whether it's something else pulls up sees some bitch there yeah fucks that bitch yeah like, <laughs> but you can't, but you can't leave yeah. the house or go to the bar or do something without, without having all your, your people around. So how yeah. are you supposed to develop experiences? And, and this is my question to the listener, right? Is how are you, how are you supposed to develop experiences if you won't put yourself in the position to actually go and develop those experiences, yeah. right? You actually genuinely have to take control of, of yeah. your own life, right? Yeah. And I remember I used to talk shit so much and I used to say to everybody, I, and but, <laughs> When I mean talk shit, I mean actually like I mean actually talk shit and be like very very egotistical in the sense where I would say you could when I was 19, I used to say this. I didn't yeah. know this for sure till I was 23. Yeah. Or till I just turned 20, till I really was until I was about till I just turned 24. I said, you could drop me in any city in the world, and I and I could have I could know exactly what to do, have the spots on lock, and yeah. know and, and, and go to the club and, and find find a pretty girl in, in 48 yeah. to 72 hours. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And, that's I used good to say, and I used to say that, right? I used to say yeah. that. And, and the thing is, is I really believed that I could. So guess what happened when I started traveling alone? Yeah. I found all the spots. I was able yeah. to do everything I wanted to do within 24 to 48 hours. That was actually faster than 72 hours. Yeah. But it's very, it's very deliberate, right? And you have yeah. to actually be deliberate with your act. This goes into a bigger point where you actually have to be deliberate with your actions. Yeah, I, was in, I feel that. Yeah, I was in Reggio Emilia, Italy, because I was in a couple months ago. I was in. I drove from Milan. I drove down to the coast, six and a half hours, and I was going to 
I was driving from my family, my family's place. And I drove back to, I was going to go actually to, to, to dinner in Lake Como, but it was actually Italian Independence Day. Mm-hmm. And I got stuck uh, near San Marino de Vigo. <laughs> and I ended up driving through Bologna. And I, I stopped at the, in this town called Reggio Emilia. Mm-hmm. As yep. I'm in the hotel, right? As I'm in the hotel, like I, I, I was trying to get the BMW through the, through the one of the streets. I couldn't get it through. Yeah, yeah. So I pull up at the hotel and I'm taking my bags and I see this dude with, he's got a cowboy hat on. Like, bro, this yeah, is yeah. fucking, this is bumblefuck Italy. These people yeah, barely yeah, speak yeah, English. Yeah. I see this dude walking through with a cowboy hat on, yeah. and I speak a bit of Italian, right? It's my third language. And I say, and I when I walk by, I say, "School is a," and um, the guy says, "Excuse," he goes, "Excuse me," the perfect American accent. And I went, I turned around, I'm like, "Yo," <laughs> I'm like, "Yo, bro," I'm like, "I'm alone," like I just drove five and a half hours, and I I really just want to sleep. But I turned around and I'm like, "Yo," I'm like, "Yo," like, "Excuse me." I was like, hey, like, excuse me, like, yo, bro, I was like, where are you, where are you going? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yo, wait, where are you from? I said, are you, are you American? He goes, no, I'm Canadian, but close enough. And I said, close enough. I said, gee, I was like, you want to go get a drink? And he goes, yeah. I was just on my way to get one. All right. Yeah. So what did I do? I showered and I sat there and I drank with him for like three, three and a half, four hours, talked about life. Right. Yeah. He told me why I was here. He ended up working, like doing some like thing. He was opening up like a, a foreign plant for Procter and Gamble or something, but yeah, great yeah, yeah. conversation. Those, but those experiences in life don't happen unless you put yourself in a, in a situation too. I could have easily yeah. walked by and been shy or been introverted and been like, oh, I'm just going to go to sleep and lay in my hotel room and watch Yo, TV. Uh, David, this reminds me, I just had a flashback also because I think you triggered my subconscious. Uh, it was dormant there uh, about a, he was a, a crack or heroin junkie, I forgot, but he was on it. You know, he's on the drugs and it was in Amsterdam and it was past midnight. On, but it was on a weekday, so it's not a party day. That's yeah. like the Walking yeah. Dead kind of vibes. You could hear like ah, ah, crickets. But this guy, uh, he was from Bologna as well. And me and my Mexican friend that I met uh, the day before, he was the guy who saved me when that chick tried to stab me. Anyway, the next day, um, I meet up with him again. I said, yo, don't bring that chick. She's a little bit crazy. He was like, nah, nah, she, she doesn't want to see you anymore. I'm like, bro, of course she, what is this? Anyway. Flash forward, uh, we were sitting at this hostel outside, and this guy, he looks like a zombie. And, um, he, oh, no, he was very kind he, because I had to refuse his offer that he was taking bags of Coke from everywhere. He had offered me maybe three to five times or something. But the frame on this Mexican guy was unparalleled. So I'm talking three years ago. I, I, I'm now more my man than, than I was back then. But his frame was on flatball. You could tell this guy came from the favelas or something in Mexico or something, right? Brazilians and their, and Mexicans, they've seen some stuff, you know, like either knife fights yeah. or wheel yeah. fights or uh, like uh, drive-bys or something because they don't flinch, you know? That's why a lot of UFC champions come from Brazil, like uh, Charles Oliveira. You, you, you throw a couple bombs at him. He's not going down. Uh, who was it? Dustin Poirier. Oh, yeah. I mis- misunderstood the chin of uh, Charles Oliver. Bro, he grew up in the favelas. What do you think? Anyway, uh, so this guy from Bologna, he, uh, he's really creepy because the whole time he makes like a face, like a weird spasm, like uh, a Francis Bacon painting or Heath Ledger's Joker kind of. You know, mm-hmm. he, very weird, very weird. And he creeps you out. And this Mexican, he says like, Yo, yo, Fury, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You you okay here? I'm like, don't leave me alone. You know, don't leave me alone. But anyways, long story short, we actually started to bond and became like uh, the wolf pack 
like in that movie, The Hangover, because we went to other spots. That, and then it became super hilarious. For example, we went into, uh, oh yeah, the McDonald's. And um, so we ordered stuff. It was breakfast by then. So we killed four hours just walking around town in Amsterdam. And then we walk into McDonald's and the Mexican orders his stuff. He wanted the breakfast, you know, the Mc breakfast that you can yeah. only get at weird moments in your life, kind of. You never eat it, but you're here, there. Anyway, and then he says to the, the, the Italian junkie from um, Bologna, he says, what do you want? And he walks to the counter and there's this huge pause. And he says, I want beer. And then the guy was like, like a like a like a joke you know and he kept repeating that you want beer and like bro you go just sit down you know however we kind of sneaked sneaked up on him in the sense that he had a buttload of cash on him for some reason as well and we were like bro uh can you pay for us and he was like yes yes and he had like 50 he was very generous he was generous as hell he paid for our breakfast and we and, and suddenly he sobered up and he was um a screwdriver or like those screws merchant all the way from well Bologna or somewhere you know he even wanted to exchange phone numbers when he sobered up mm. but that was a hella crazy guy you can only get that uh, if you you know are in those weird spots you know and yeah you what is that you leap and then the net appears you know <laughs> yeah you know we we me and one of my best friends uh Ronnie he, me and him have been all over the world together. I think we've done like six or seven countries so far together stuff, within yeah. this past year. Yeah. And uh, I'm seeing him, it's actually his birthday today, mm -hmm. but I'm seeing, I'm seeing him in a couple of weeks and we were in split Croatia. Yeah, I know it. Good stuff. We were, we were in split Croatia and we were sitting uh, next to the harbor. And our thing before we go out anywhere in the world that we're at, we go and we get, and we get Red Bulls and we get a bottle of vodka, right? Yeah. And we usually sit, Red Bulls. Yeah, yeah. And we sit on a bench outside. It's either that or it's White Monsters. And we sit on a bench outside the club and we ask the whoever it is. The it's mostly most usually like we go to the Chinese the the Chinese shop, and we go and we sit on a bench. And usually where we've been in the world, there's boats and there's a harbor or something. And we sit on a bench. And we talk mm -hmm. about life for about a half hour, an hour, and we get pissed drunk on vodka rebels and smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And we're in split Croatia and we're just having a great time. We're just listening to music on, on one of our phones. We're, we're getting drunk, about to go to the club, meet up with these girls. And <coughs> he, this guy comes up to us and he hears us speaking English. Yeah. And it turns out he's American and he was yeah. from somewhere, I think, in Virginia or something, something strange. West Virginia. Something. And he turns and he turns out he tells us that he's on a tab of acid and he's here for a wedding. And he's fucking tripping balls. <laughs> it's always funny when they're tripping balls. And reason, he's yeah. tripping balls, but he's like, guys, yeah, like all of my friends that went home, I have to be on a boat tomorrow morning. So yeah. of course, like the dickheads that we are, we end up not going to the club that night. We end up walking around with this dude and just talking shit with him and kind of and kind of fucking with him a little bit. Yeah. And we take him to the beach and it's really dark. And if you've ever been to split Croatia, you know, Baca Beach Beach. Right. Yeah. And everyone goes and because of Corona, everything was closed and we go to Baca Beach Beach and there's mm -hmm. and it's really dark. Exactly. And this is what I meant. The walking dead. Right. And he's especially and really, in the really dark. Yeah. He, and he's tripping balls on acid and there's and it's really dark and people are walking around and people are talking. And fucking voices the whole time. <laughs> and so Ronnie ends up talking to this German girl for like an hour. And I'm talking to, I'm talking to her friend and her friend was, was genuinely on track. But this girl was like, she, she was gorgeous. And Ronnie, Ronnie's talking to her. Yeah. 
And this guy, and I'm standing there with this guy, and he's, he's like kind of fat. He's got long hair, but he ended up being a nice dude. And he's sitting there, and I just hear him say out of nowhere, probably 45 minutes after we're sitting on, sitting on a bench on this beach, he goes, I'm fucking tripping balls. I got to go home. <laughs> and so that was the last time we ever saw that guy. But you don't get those – my point is you don't get those experiences no. unless you put yourself in the position too. Right? Yeah. When you, when you travel the world, you meet some interesting people, and especially traveling Europe as well because Europe is just yeah. a – the word, I think the word to use is a clusterfuck of different cultures. Yeah. And like a good melting pot. Yeah. I feel it's, a melt, it's a melting pot, even more so than America is, because I think yeah. Americans are even more closed off because yeah. Europeans, I believe, are, and you know this from living in, in the Netherlands, is you, you get a lot of tourists and people come to these places and you might not see these people again. Yeah. But I think what it does, it allows you to cherish the moments and cherish the experiences and be present. And really exude presence in the moment oh. where you are and who you're with in your life. Oh, David, actually, that's a that's a great story that I have there. Um, I was in Oslo, Norway. I had you know, a little bit tying back to what you said that you learn on the job, you know, that you're very intentful, direct in what you want. What I always want, like for the POA guys out there, you have to pipeline maybe a couple of dates or something. You need to have a number or you have to use a dating app, know somebody or use Instagram or whatever. Or your game needs to be spot on that you could do it on improv for each their own. Anyway, I had a date lined up with a Norwegian girl, very attractive mm -hmm. girl. However, she's very erratic. So she flakes on me on the Friday. That was our date meeting. We had that set up. But it's not that I was livid, but it was more like I literally like ignored her the whole day. Flash forward to the end of the night. I'm on the main street in Oslo. It's called, it's called Joanne's Gate. It's not that cool. Don't get me wrong. But there's a, there was an ice cream shop there. I was trying to pull this ice cream girl because I was eating ice cream, which I do not like at all. Just to chat with it all. She, ha she had it all. She, she knew what the, what the drill was. You know, I was drinking coffee as well. But the funny thing was I actually wanted to go to a different bar. And uh, that one was closed or too full. And she saw me come in, dip, and dip in and out a couple of times. That's actually my kind of style. You know... Uh, very aloof kind of i'm not standing there like 24 minutes talking to your face i'm going in and out and she'd be like why are you back well this coffee shop is right to this but you know i'm yeah, like fast yeah. however fast forward i go to this bar it's called the the winds now nah, it had a winston churchill face so i thought maybe you could get a cigar or what is the affinity i walk in and i still forget his i still haven't forgotten his name like a couple months after he said his name was paul paul was just an Typical UK bloke, aka just like how people talk about Andrew and Tristan, they're from the UK, kind of, you know, the banter kind of stuff. Like Frazzle Dasso has the nice Aberdeen Scottish banter, or yeah, Australians yeah. have the, well, Australians used to be UK people. Anyway, the typical UK banter. Paul is a typical UK bloke, and he starts uh, doing that kind of like shit testing, like a little bit teasing. That's not my humor style, but I think, oh, this is one of those guys, you know, what we were yeah, talking yeah. about. Like, I feel it, like, oh, this is it. This is what I was waiting for the whole night, you know? So I'm just talking with him, blah, blah. And these days, I don't even do it anymore for respect of the present moment. I don't go for number, nothing with these guys. It's just, it's almost like a fling as well. You don't even know each other's name or something even. You don't ask for context. It's just there in the moment. It's almost yeah. in, a, in a very strange way sacred or something. It's, it's weird as hell, but we both understand that, you know? And I buy him a couple of drinks and... A couple minutes later, he says he has to go. And I say to him, well, um, can I buy another drink? He says, no, yeah, I really have to go. I said, okay, whatever. You know, so I go out for a smoke or something or make a detour and come back. And I'm like, bro, what are you still doing here? And then we chat up a little bit again. And I'm like, 
maybe he wants no he had the reluctance that he had to work actually because i was on vacation there trying to date this girl and uh, climb some mountains anyway then he says a line that i never forgot because it was the catalyst to actually a fuck ton of things he says to me yo fury you know what's so great about this moment and I, I got like a weird kick out of it. The way he said it, it means he must have been a good public speaker or some shit. He said, uh, we might never see each other again. You know, you, you might come here. I might come here. Who knows? You know, like in the movie, he's like one of those people that are written in just to say that line kind of to the, to the main character. Well, main yeah. character. But he says, we might never see each other again. And you know what I did then? Uh, well, I think, oh yeah. Then I whipped out my phone and texted that girl. And she actually said, oh, sorry, I forgot. I'll be right there in five seconds. And if it wasn't for that guy, if I was not in that bar, well, hella, hella, a lot of strange shit would not have happened. And uh, that is the power of truly accepting the gift and the grace of the present of the present moment. Yeah. yeah. Do you see your life? That brings me to, I just thought of this mm -hmm. question, but do you see your life as, as, your, as your, <clears throat> the main character in a book or a movie? I think so. Sometimes I do it. Um, when it's not going well, for example, you know, you know, that analogy, don't compare your chap first chapter with somebody's yes. last chapter yes. kind of be yes. in, that, in that sense, we're all coalescing or like Venn diagrams overlapping with each other's stories kind of, yeah. and not everybody is meant to cross each other's path kind of, you know, like Dostoevsky's books are not Hemingway's books and in different libraries, you know, never cross. Yeah. But sometimes I feel that I'm a lead character and most people are more NPCs. Literally, they're a little bit like an NPC in a side quest. Let's say you played Skyrim or something yeah. or Pokemon or something, you know, yeah. and you talk to them. They are just there to provide you with a scroll to your next thing or something, you know, or to detract you on some garbage as dumb as side quest. That you know, oh, okay, this was a nice side quest. Could even that you score a couple of nice girls, but it's not the one you really want, or it's less money, or it's such a detour that you truly start to sniff. Nah, it can't be. I'm the main character, you know. And that does not mean that there are not other main characters, right? In a movie, sometimes you meet in a movie there are a couple main characters, and you think, damn, that guy. He, he, you look at him, you know. I think I was in I was in Lisbon in Portugal. I thought I saw two handsome and jacked Spanish guys. And they had the, the hunter eyes, you know, very squinty, yeah. but yeah. calm at the same time. And they were taller than me and really good looking guys, you know. And also you could tell that they had frame sauce. Uh, they know how to drink, banter, and they were mm. jacked. You know, I saw it. They just stood there and they, they about it, you know. And uh, I, I just started mm. that, uh, chatting with them. I said, where are you guys going? They were going to the club. I was tired as fuck. But uh, you could tell that they were living their main character quest as well, you know? Yes. And maybe yes. that quest was not for me then, you know? So I just let them go and whatever, you know? Yeah. I, I Something you said there is like I, some, I really appreciate seeing other men on the same mission because I, I kind of have very similar characteristics to what you said. I mean, obviously, you know, this is, this is going to be audio only for now, but, uh, yeah. you know, most people, they know how I look. I have kind of the same type of characteristics as you can see. But yeah. I respect and I like when, and especially when I travel, when me and Ronnie travel, it's like when you see other guys that are just about it and you know yeah. that you're about it, there's a mutual respect. I met yeah, the yeah. student in Mallorca, Spain, and he was, um, he was training for the SAS and he was this, and, and I'm, I'm about six, I'm, I'm about six foot four, I would say. And mm -hmm. I was in my, my shoes that I wear, I'm six, five sometimes because pair of St. Laurent, St. Laurent boots. But when <clears throat> I saw, and, I, and I'm, we're chilling and we're outside, me, me and Ronnie are talking shit. 
And this guy comes up and he's like, yo, he's like, where, it's like, where, where, where are the good girls? Where, where's the party? I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know, maybe in there. We're just kind of hanging out, having a smoke. I offer him a cigarette. And this guy was about six foot five. And he was about 220, 230 pounds. And he said, he, yeah. was training. he and I was, and I was asking him, he was like, yeah, he's like, you know, uh, we're, we're here, me and me and some of the boys from uh, British military are, are here on vacation. Yeah. And we leave tomorrow. Dude, we got drunk as skunks this night. Yeah, and we had a great time. It was like me and this dude were the biggest people in the fucking club, mm-hmm. and just had a, it just had a great time. You know, I, I think I, I did get his Instagram. He's nice, nice dude. But mm-hmm. you, you meet these people, and it's just like fucking banter, and you just start fucking with each other. But when you see other guys yeah. that are genuinely about it, it it's it, it makes mm-hmm. me happy because it, it proves that there's hope left in the world. There's That's not interesting. Many, I, there's not many other people that are, and I really think you know, there's there's not many people nowadays who behave in a certain sort of way. Yeah, and it, it makes me very happy, right? So I always, I That's always really try, cool. to, try to chat yeah. with with people like that. You know, when you meet people that are genuinely about it, or you just know that they're they're about the same shit as you. Yeah, it's, that it's, makes sense. I I wouldn't have labeled it, you know, maybe as happiness, but I I do it as well. Um, so at the same Portugal festival that I was. I just didn't want to sleep because I had to catch a flight the next morning, but I was bored. I met a Chilean guy. I've stayed in touch with him and his story. So he was just dancing very chill and you could feel a chill aura. And in, indeed, I was kind of happy to see that actually because he got it just like me. And But yeah. his story was even funnier. He said, I'm outside because my girlfriend is sleeping. And I thought, fuck this. I'm in Portugal one last night and I'm just dancing. And that, I just had, and we were just drinking beers with each other and just yeah, it, it's such a such a vibe, kind of, but it's um it's an understanding between each other, almost like a gentleman's agreement yeah. with yeah. very non-written rules, as if it, as if there's an ancient code somewhere, or <clears throat> other people didn't get the memo, but somehow you guys both did, and there's like a telepathy going on in that one magical moment, one night only, usually, and uh, yeah, it's, it's it's strange that you yeah, but. Uh, have you always had that then, David, do you think? Or is it, is, let's say a young man is listening to this or, you know, a younger David or a younger Fury. Yeah. Uh, does it think, it. yeah, do you think it's a talent or can it be acquired or can you propagate yourself towards such? What, what exactly, or, living in the moment or? Well, uh, that, that's a facet or a tenet of it. I would say to smell or have an intuition to gauge the potentiality of such experiences. Can it be felt? Can you know that this is going to happen or? Is it more like a reflex or how do you see that? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it can happen, but you have to allow yourself to be open to it. It's almost like a lucid dream. Yeah. And the way I, the way I like to explain it is, so some people have more access to, and this is going to get a kind of woo woo for a second, but I think some people have more access to it than, than others. Right. Some people, so I am partially native American. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of people all know this, but my great, mm-hmm. so my great grandmother was half Native American Indian. Yeah. And her mother was the Cheyenne Indian chief's daughter, one of the Cheyenne Indian chief tribes in Ohio in the, in the yeah. early 18, in the mid to early 1800s was the Indian chief of the Cheyenne Indian's daughter. And yeah, yeah. One, I think my great, great grandfather, he came over from um, Eastern Southeastern Germany. Um, my family had like a foothold in they were the you know between the 1500s and the 18 the 1800s they're a very powerful family 
didn't happen when, when we when they came over to America. But the my father's side of the family was very powerful. Uh, was, where they were like the burgers and uh, of of actually Vyborg uh, in Russia, which was mm-hmm. east was Western Prussia and uh, southeastern Germany. Yeah, but it was all it was all it was all Germany back then. And <clears throat> he came over. He saw this saw this Native American Indian thing, Pocahontas. <laughs> he got he got with uh, my great great grandmother, and then um, yeah. Kind of goes from there, but I think I'm about 12 and a half percent. It's it's obviously been diluted. Yeah. But something if you know about Native Americans, they're real in touch with the they're real in touch with nature, real in touch with the spirits. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, when I was in university, when I was in college, mm-hmm. there were there used to be this place, and and I went to school in Pennsylvania, and there used to be this place that was Pennsylvania in, Dutch. <laughs> you know them, the yeah. the Amish, but. Yeah. There used to be this field that I used to go out to, and it was behind a church where I went to school. And there was a sign, and in, in Pennsylvania, they have these historical signs, and it talks about historical significance, and I'm a very big okay. fan of history. Yeah. And it was actually a, an old Native American village. And I used to go there every 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 day in the summer when it was a sunny day, and I used to just chill out there in the field. I used to listen to Jimi Hendrix and, and you know, Zeppelin on, on, my, on my headphones and just kind yeah. of chill, right, and just think and and visualize where I wanted my life to go. And I felt very spiritually connected to that place. Yeah. I think it's, it's that, and also being open to experiences, right? Some people, they, they're obviously, and I'll use the term, the matrix. They're still so plugged into the matrix that they, they don't allow themselves to, to see the world from an objective perspective or a third eye view. Yeah. And I think it can absolutely be cultivated, but you have to be the type of person that allows its experiences. I get it. Uh, I, I don't know. I was never that spontaneous when I was younger, but I was also very playful as a kid. Hmm. And once I start to be quite playful or very stupid almost, well, you see me do the dumbest club moves and people are like, why is this, you know, why is it, you know, why is this Asian dancing or is it good? Or where did he learn those bachata techniques? You know, I took courses for that. Or why can he speak those languages, this, that, and it's all about spontaneity, you know? So yeah. I, I vibe with it. And it's pretty cool to share that you had that spiritual aspect. So maybe that's why we vibe on that aspect because I, people I, say that a lot about me or something. I, I, would, I would agree, bro. And, and it's like, I'm over the years, like, you know, with things like, you know, when I was 18, I found like meditation, right. And, and Eckhart yeah. Tolle's work and, and being present yeah. to the moment. I'm not so, so well-versed in it anymore because I, mm-hmm. but I, you remember the lessons, right. And it's yeah. all about um, Mikhail. I, I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's Shikmenethal. But oh yeah. He, uh, the he Hungarian the, flow. Yeah. Flow state, yeah. Flow state right. Yeah. I learned. I just about said the that to K-Dot, uh, I sh- you know, the, the K-Dot yeah. guy, the sprinter, yeah, I, know, I just said it to you yesterday, bro, you should check up on that stuff, go to more flow state, because he posts every day, uh, get better 1% every day, so if you punch that in your calculator, you become 40 times better in a year, he yep. said, however, yeah. this Mikali guy, he said for flow state, you need to become 4% better a day, and it's uh, mutually exclusive or interchangeable. So if you go into flow state, you become 4% better in a day. I said, bro, a guy like you, you know, because K-Dot, he trains hard. I can I can feel that. It's very palpable. And I say to him, bro, punch in the calculator, 4% better every day. Next year, bro, you'll be 40 million times better. He was like, bro, there's some good shit. So he went, he went I don't know if he listened, yeah. but yeah, flow state, flow state. Yeah, I'm all. And, and, and <clears throat> I studied his, I studied his stuff when I was 18, 19, because yeah. I was obsessed with the idea of being able to, to, to get into that mode. Yeah. And you learn that now, like when I look back on, on things and especially when you do business, right? Like, and you're on mm-hmm. set, you're taking sales calls all day, or you're doing, or you're working on a project all day, say like I'm building out a new landing page or whatever it is. Or yeah. when I was working at, when I was trying to, 
do drop shipping and, and you're locked in for like 10 hours at a time or you're playing video games or, or you're, you're like when I was a kid playing video games, you're locked in for 16 hours. It's like, how does that even, how does that even happen? And it's because of this idea of flow. I think it's something, I think a lot of things in life, you have to allow yourself and, and subconsciously allow yourself to be open to the experience. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah. And it's about, and it goes back to the idea of who, who do you want to become? Yeah. So I studied, I studied a lot of, a lot of things and, and I think I'm very spiritually connected to the universe. Right. Yeah. And like I said, it's, it'll get a little woo woo, but I think I'm very spiritually connected, connected to the universe. And I think I allow things to happen and I see it from a different perspective than other people, yeah. which is why I'm open to new experiences like that. Yeah. When, and, and advice. And so advice to any, any young dude is like, you got to allow yourself to, to be able to do that. Right. Like to literally, if you, if you are sitting in your house all day and, and do you know who George Carlin is? No, I don't know who that is. George Carlin. I, I'll, I'll send you some of his stuff, but he had this, and I, I forget who I was talking about, it with, but he had this, uh, comedy especially he passed away but he was funny as fuck and he was talking about people who need to die and he said well, some one of the it was, it was groups it was talking about groups of people who quote unquote need to die right like yeah, yeah and it was it was it was very funny and what he talked about is like mm-hmm. it's like another group of people that need to die are those people those fucking idiots that sit in their house all day watching tv and jerking off he said if you're sitting in your house all day watching tv and jerking off you ain't causing any fucking trouble yeah right of and in order to live, I think, a life mm-hmm. packed full of experiences, you've got to be out there and be a troublemaker. Yeah, sounds, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not go commit crimes and go break people's things and everything and go get yeah, yeah. street fights, but you gotta be, yeah. gotta, gotta make some trouble. You right? know, uh, between, between us and the listener, when I was like just getting out clubbing, I would have never expected I was the guy that I would not be able to count on both my hands how many times I got kicked out of the club. You know, now it I get a disclaimer, yo, Fury, don't get kicked out of the club tonight. I'm like, bro, I'll keep my mouth shut the whole night, I'll behave. I even, you know, like how Masvidal walks to keep his hand behind his back because he doesn't want to throw down kind of be, you know, uh, Jorge Masvidal. I have the same. I have to keep my hands off. I have too much sometimes pent up energy a little bit. So I'm just walking around like in the club, like I'm in a museum, bro, you know, whatever. I'll keep my energy in check. You know, I don't want to get kicked out. And yeah, no, but it's a little bit. That's what you cultivate. Did I want to become that? No. But did I want to make a denting effect? on reality you know then reality then the universe yes i did and you have to wreak havoc for that well you'll pay the price for that you know (laughs) a quid pro quo kind of beat you know i I think there's a special thing amongst guys who squeeze the universe for every drop of energy i love that that's beautiful i think there's a mutual respect because when you see people living on their own terms and like bending reality to their will yeah yeah, yeah. there's there's a couple ways that you can do that one of them is money right one of them is just you know fuck you money Another way is the influence that you have on, on people that you speak to and, and understanding human psychology, because like, yeah. you know, you, you obviously know Ricardo from Twitter, like yeah. when, when we go to the club, we don't wait in line. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter how long the line is. I don't care. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. waiting in a line. Right. Yeah. So, but there's certain belief systems that I think some people have yeah. that make it so that they're able to get more out of the world than other yeah. people. Right. Because yeah. it's, it's a lot of people, they like to follow rules right rules are just societal metrics that are set up yeah like and they say oh rules are meant to be broken i'm not telling anyone to go out here and start breaking laws or anything but there's there's rules like oh you can't let's say you can't stand on this couch in the club yeah yeah, yeah. get the security guy 50 bucks give him 20 bucks yeah get fucked right a lot of places places in la they don't let you smoke cigarettes inside the club i smoke cigarettes in the club 
Yeah. It right. reminds me, uh, David, uh, I did the same thing. So I rolled up to a second tier city of Denmark. So not the capital of Copenhagen, but I knew a guy. This is also that style, that strategy of pipelining dates. I know also with Twitter bros kind of, you know, yeah. but I, I did not know that he was a very powerful, influential man and came of money. I did not know. I thought I was just going to have like a, just a beer in the corner or something because it was a weird as it was a strange club. You know, it was like a dodgy club kind of thing. But we got shit-faced on champagne at the end of the night. You know, it, it went nuclear, like from zero to 500 miles in just a couple of seconds, kind of beat, just what you were describing. And then I, the whole night, I uh, no, the whole next night, I asked him, where's my cigar? Where's my cigar? W what had turned out that the next day, the next night, I mean, I come back to the same club because it's the biggest club, kind of, you know? The, the bouncer, he comes to me. I still know his name as well. His name is John. John says to me, oh, yo, you're back. And then he said, yo, but this time, don't smoke a cigar on the dance floor. I said, yo, John, that's where the cigar went. And I, then I texted the guy. I was like, oh, yo, bro, why didn't you stop me from smoking a cigar middle in the dance floor? He said, well, people did try to stop you, Fury. He escorted you to the smoking uh, area two to three times, but you kept walking back. And then he had to kindly say, don't do that. <laughs> and, but he had allowed it me. And I made a spectacle that uh, I think was a couple weeks back. So I, I left Denmark by now. He says, Yo, Fury, I'm back at the club. And John always asks after you. I said, you know, say hi back, you know. And th that's that kind of, you know, I, I feel you guys. I respect Ricardo, you know. I know him a long time, you know, so. Uh, yeah. And and it's it's more so, I, I kind of get off on breaking the rules a little bit. Right? <laughs> I kind of get off on breaking the rules, right? Like. Yeah just like they start giving you shit you just throw some money at it and it goes away or or you know you just use your, yeah. your influence or whatever like um we were in majorca me yeah. and me and ronnie were in majorca and yeah. so i we went to this one club and there's a club in majorca called social right and it was the only okay. kind of really popping spot it's on the main street yeah. um what is the i forget the name of the road but <clears throat> it's this giant club it's got a pool and, and the pool was closed at night obviously but we we pull up and the night before we were like in kind of like the GA area. We didn't know what to expect. We didn't know there was going to be a table. We didn't know like this is the spot that we were looking for. And we went back to this club subsequently. The, yeah, yeah, the next yeah. couple. Sometimes next you couple just days. Yeah, you go with yeah. So we pulled up and I and I'm I'm talking to the bartender. I said, hey, and, I, and it's very very loud. But I say, hey, I want to get a, I want to get a table tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Right? And he says, oh, there's no reservations. Let me check for you. Let me check for you. There's no reservations. He makes me leave my name and my number on on some fucking piece of paper that he probably threw out. Right. <laughs> So yeah, yeah, yeah. here's what I do the next night that I come back, yeah. right? Me and Ronnie pull up, we're, we're, dre we're dressed well and we pull up and I, and I go and I immediately, I just go stand in the VIP line, right? There's nobody in the VIP line. And I say, I say, hi, like, you know, I'm here. I made a reservation, right? I didn't yeah. technically make a reservation, but yeah. <laughs> um, I, pull, I go up and I, and I start talking to the, the hostess and I say, hey, like I made a, I made a re reservation with uh, with one of the bartenders last night. He said he was going to give me a call. So we're here. Right. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I heard for, from him. My phone hasn't been working. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I had my I had my assistant call to confirm. Right. I have no fucking assistant call. To confirm, right. But I'm like, oh, my assistant, my yeah, assistant yeah, yeah. called to confirm. She said we were good for for the table tonight. And then she yeah. said, oh, there's no tables, whatever. Right. But. I don't like really standing in, in general in, in the GA because I don't like a bunch of sweaty people trying to start fights with me because yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite big and we can kind of look a bit intimidating. Right. I couldn't get that. Yeah. And so 
that being said, like we, we pull up and then this guy comes out and he's actually, he's English and he, he, he speaks perfect English, speaks, speaks the Queen's English and he comes out and his name's Mark. And I say, Hey Mark. I was like, Hey Mark. I said, you know, I, I had my assistant called, make us a reservation for, for a table. They said they don't have it. They don't have it available. They said there's, there's no reservation. It's like, Oh, well, how many people are you? I said, Oh, well, it's just, it's just us. It's just, and you always want to say it's just us, right? It's just me and my boy. Right. Yeah. Um, and he goes, well, you know, I don't have anything available. Right. I'm like, okay, well, uh, I said, can you give us, can you give us wristbands for the, for the section if we buy a bottle of champagne? And I saw the prices on the bottle of champagne. It's like 80 euros, right? 80, 100, 80, 100 euros, whatever it is. Nothing. So we pull up and he goes, yeah, he goes, absolutely deal. So he gives us the wristband. We walk in, we realize the section is kind of dead. There's nobody there. And it's like, it's like 12 o'clock at night clubs open until five. There's yeah. like nobody there, nobody in there. So we get, we get one drink. Yeah. Get our wristbands. We get back in the gym. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's it's like oh, it's, like, it's about the principle. About it's it, about yeah. the it's about the principle. It's about the principle of the thing. And then the next night we went back and we actually met these these really cool yacht brokers who own uh, a, a multinational yacht brokerage. And and they we actually met him that night. And they had a they had a table there. And we were ordering Dom P and had a great fucking time and partied with them. I think the next two or three nights. But yeah, it was it was, it was cool. all because. Right. I made the effort and didn't take that no for an answer. Right. Yeah, you don't yeah. you don't take the no for the answer. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. well, we can't let you win or we can't do this. Well, well, there is a way that you can do that. All you need to do is say yes. So I think about it as how do you get them to say yes? Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I think, maybe subconsciously doing this like on a microcosm through this marketing technique, like micro commitments. Mm. I order the most ridiculous things that either are not on the menu to bend them to my will as a frame. And if they come like, oh, I, I choose multiple stuff. So I look on the, the menu. I come up also with like a concoction of a drink because I drank a lot as well. So that's my forte to draw them in the frame kind of. But I have backups, you know, I don't yeah. want to be that much of an asshole. But I throw like a couple of things there and they're like, uh-huh, yeah, uh, yeah. And do you want ice in it? I said, nah, put the ice in another glass with some extra water, this, that. And then. It does a combination of things. It shows I've been around these kind of places. I either been there or other places. I know my drinks. Don't fuck up my drink. Um, five, I want them to have a slight cognitive overload that there's like a spike in cortisol that they're like a little bit tensed up that they yeah. are there to perform, not to fuck up, you know, because yeah. they sometimes yeah. fuck up. And let's say if I want to perform with a very important deal or something or a day that I want to impress, it should not be fucked up. Kind of. You know, let's say I'm trying to own that own that place to, you know, make it my own and come back. It has to be spot on. Sometimes they fuck up anyway, but they get very, how do you call it? Like a micro commitment. It's the, the foot in the door, like uh, Benjamin Franklin effect, yeah. like very appeasing from that. <laughs> on. And then I'll do the micro little tidbits. Micro, yeah, micro agreements. <laughs> Yeah, micro agreements. That's exactly. something that people like to do in sales. I personally actually, I have a different perspective. I actually disagree with doing that sometimes, especially in sales, because micro agreements, if, if we're sitting here and you just say, yes, 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 it means you're not thinking, right? Okay. What I like to do is I like to get people to say no. Okay. So you, and it's, this is a Chris Voss technique. If you've read that book, never split the difference, yeah, but I know. it's about going and, and getting people to say no in a way that, wait, hold on, they're listening. Right. Or no, that's too much. Or uh, no, that doesn't make sense. Or kind of going okay. like over and like really like hammering them with something until they say until they say no. It's not okay. a no that can kill the deal, but you understand that they're thinking. And okay. once they're thinking, then you can get to actually doing a deal and actually get to a negotiation. 
right? That's I've had a couple perfect sales before where they just say, yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> Sounds great. Sent, money sent. But those are very few and far between. And if, especially in, in a sales conversation, if you don't understand what the person is saying, what the person wants or what's holding them back, right? If you get somebody to say, oh, I need to think about it. Well, I'll sit here and I'll say, Fury, what exactly, you know, out of curiosity, what do you need to think about? Yeah, yeah. Right? Exactly. Let's, 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 let's think through this together. Let's make sure you're thinking about the right things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On another level, something that I, that I, I do sometimes is actually, so like with, with really nice restaurants, and if mm-hmm. you, I live in LA, like um, with exclusive places in LA, I, I pulled up at one of my favorite restaurants. Every time I go there, I spend like at least four or $500, right? Me and my girl go, whatever. But I pull up and the guy, the bouncer, it's not, so I'm, I'm friendly. I, I'm a, I have, you know, both of their, both of their numbers with um, two, two of the guys I really like. And I, and I go and I'll smoke outside with them and their, their security and we talk shit and they're, they're great guys. And they weren't there that night. And it was a different, it was two other different guys running security. And I, mm-hmm. I pull up outside and I, well, I go up with my girl. And he goes, I say, hi, I say, hey, how you doing? My friend I said, we have a reservation. And he goes, let me see. He goes really like very sternly. Let me see your ID. Right. Like, dude, I'm 25 years old. I don't, okay. You can see my ID. But and he's like, and then he goes, have you been here before? Like very snooty. Right. And you can tell he's kind of trained to do that. Have you been here before? And I start laughing. I, start, I just immediately start laughing. I'm like, of course. Yeah. It goes right this way. The way that people test you, right? Like the way that people can test you like that, it's all about how you respond to the situation. If you have never been to a nice place or an upscale restaurant where things are, you're spending 500 to a thousand dollars a pop on dinner, they are going to test you to no, no other, right? These are, these are places, I actually haven't been to Monaco, but I assume Monaco is like this, is a place, is a place like that, uh, very high end places in London where or that they give you shit if you don't behave in a certain way because they're used to you behave, they're used to people behaving in a certain way. Yeah, makes sense. And, I went to um, a, a special cigar, five-star cigar hotel lounge in London. The second uh, Bulga- you step- Bulgari Hotel? Yeah, the Bulgari Hotel, yeah. Uh, it, they were nice though, but uh, the Italian um, bellboys, they made a couple of jokes which were like shit test. Mm-hmm. And I had to had to smile with them a little bit. And then they said, right this way, sir. <laughs> but the, uh, let's say a guy wouldn't get that. <laughs> you know, it, it was funny. So I just walk in. It was, it was like, oh, it smells like money here, you know? And then uh, I said, yeah, I'm here to smoke cigars. Like, oh. Uh, you know, and then they say like, "Oh, you're early." I said, "Yeah, you know, I like to be early. I know the guys. You know, I want my seat." Blah blah. I was like, "Okay, just get a drink uh, behind." You know, I'm like, "Okay, show me the way." And then he showed another guy and blah blah. You know, and then it was smooth sailing from then on because then we were at the bar, and the bar is not my specialty, but I've talked to a lot of bartenders, mm-hmm. and then I got him on my side, and he knew this Russian girl, and then was game set a match, kind of like in yeah. by accident yeah. actually. Most people won't even, you know what I noticed, dude, especially something changed when I started started making a bit of money was the the way, like, I felt uh, more deserving of, of being in these places. Okay. Right? Yeah, of course. Right? If you go to yeah. a Bulgarian hotel, you're, spent, you're spending money, right? Like, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't, like, a, a lot of people, they think, oh, this place is too expensive. I can't go in there. Listen, especially with nice restaurants, like, I remember... My chick was like, how did you, she was like, you know, when I, cause I had no name for myself and where I'm at. I, I haven't really made it a point to, to really make a super name for myself and here, yeah. here in my current city. But uh, mm-hmm. she was like, well, she was like, you know how, when this is like an exclusive place, like when you came here before, like 
how did you get she goes like how did you get in and i was like huh i was like i yeah. i was like baby it's a restaurant you make a reservation you walk in yeah i was like are they allergic to money no yeah right exactly. so and then i and then i went there and actually so and i went there with um hassan from from twitter yeah, if, yeah. You know, if you know Hassan. So I went there, yeah, no. me, and, me and Hassan went there and we talked shit for like, we talked shit there for like three hours and we we're outside smoking and fucking talking to the talking to security guards and you just meet people. Right. And now yeah. you just you walk up, you shake hands, you shake hands. Good to see you guys. You walk in, you nod at the bartender, go shake his hand. And then there's then the drink show up on your table that you didn't even order. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. No, so it, it's always, and, and also to anyone listening, right. And I've said this multiple times. In the podcast, <coughs> you go to places that you like especially make sure you get the bartender's name. You get a, get a couple, get the waiter's name. You get the security's name. You get, you get the manager's name, yep. save them, save the name as the contact in your phone, name, place, role, uh, job roles, uh, city. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're in Miami, you type Miami and whenever you're in, in London or you're ever in, you know, Florence or, or Rome, you type in Rome, Italy, and, or you type in Rome and then there's 10 people that you know in Rome and then you go, okay, here's that place. I'm going to go there for a coffee. I'm going to go there for lunch. I'm going to go do this, this, this. And then you start to build contacts and connections in the city. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, What you just said, coincidentally, Uh, in my city, I hadn't been doing it because I was away, but uh, me and my friend really loved this um, whiskey bar that we were frequenting. And we were basically pooling all our money in that because they had a whiskey, like a list. And we haven't drank in everything and we just want to kill the list. So they know our name by the end. We're done kind of, you know, for our own personal ego kind of beat. However, uh, I gotten more experience with these kind of things you told me, David, uh, just to ask their name or to shake their hands, you know. And yeah. there was a kid named Simon. Uh, I met him uh, the day before. So yesterday I went to this place, but the day before that, I just shook his hand. I said, hey, what's your name, man? That's, that was just it. Like as if, well, that's what you would do with meeting a new bro or whatever, you know. Yeah. And he said, my name, my name is Simon. I gave him my name. I said, I'm Fury. Um, and then next, oh, actually the reason why, oh, this is a nice segue back or to close the loop with the spontaneity or just being with the moment and letting it go. Simon was that night, not me, not anybody. He was the superhero of that night because he had two plates of eight pizzas and there was a small step and he tripped. And by, so he went into like a high cortisol adrenaline, like flow state. And he say, he goes into a deep lunch. He saves all the pizza. Nothing falls on the ground and people just gasp, but nobody says like, yo you're great or something but i just stand up start applauding like a fucking madman and people are like fuck yeah that was fucking cool and you hear people like woo, woo. and then simon looks at me he feels really good you know and so he comes back later after that to my table uh just hey you want another round nothing special you know he doesn't know me like that yet but i said first son you have to be congratulated there was some special effects bro you know you should be in fucking hollywood that was spectacular and then i made a by accident a slip up i said you saved those two pizzas really well and then he said it was actually four pizzas and then yeah. i said you know what bro next time i'll tell the story i'll double it each time i'll tell the story i'll fucking double the number for you and then the next day after that i came into the bar he said yo mr fury is back and then i looked at him and i said you know, he, he knew the drill. I knew the drill. He's getting a good tip and on and on we go. And these are these principles that, you know, we share this. I learned from you and we compounded and it's just yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Making, making people feel good. Yeah. You, know, you always want to leave people better than you found them for the most part. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's important to know how to be a likable person, right? Which I'm sure that you know how to do, right? You know, like, <laughs> I, you know, 
Twitter is a great example. You can make people not like you on Twitter by saying saying things in a certain way, but you can also actually J.K. Molina was somebody that I, I spoke with about this. And I actually when I when I had him on the podcast was yeah. uh, he said, you know, the way you do things and the way I do things are very, are very different instead of mm-hmm. um, attacking, attacking in a certain way. I praise yeah. in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's probably why he's done so well and, and through the following that he has. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. only that, but. He's, um, it's, it's very, it's very interesting in, in the way that you can do things and being a likable person, I think absolutely can be cultivated. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's skills that you can, and, and it's just about making people feel good. You don't have to think about it too deeply, but it's about making people feel good and, and rewarding yeah. people when they do a good job, you tell them that they did a good job. That's right? it. Yeah. That's it right there. And yeah, you no, know, for the younger listeners, the younger boys or a slightly more younger man, I wasn't always like this. You, know, you say, Oh yeah, of course you know it. It's actually, I'm a, like a on and off button. My dial isn't that calibrated like a like a heater. You know, you would have like a different um, sets of the the dial. It's more an on and off for me kind of be, because I have traits that make me extremely unlikable, very yeah, serious. Yeah. I don't get. I'm one of those da- guys that doesn't get sarcasm. So people say something sarcasm, they're like, you know, that part in yeah, the brain is yeah. broken kind of be. And but those are cultivated because you know I went to bars and traveled a little bit, and especially with dates. If you're too autistic, some of them will. <laughs> Don't even look at you, you know. You know, then yeah, you're gonna stay a yeah. virgin the whole life, you know. Like, I, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I had to learn that hard way. You know, if you want to have a nice time with a nice girl, you know. Yeah, it's it's the thing is most people are, are so used to not being able to take criticism. Um, yeah, you can absolutely cultivate that, and it's it's about just breaking each other. We in in Philly, we say it's usually we're just breaking balls. Yeah, yeah. Right, and it's not serious, but people take themselves so fucking seriously most of the time. And something I even had to cultivate was like, you know. You just sometimes you just break balls, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, like call, like call, like calling your boy. Oh, you're a fucking pussy. Shut up. <laughs> you know stuff like that. Like it's it's. But most people, what the fuck did you say to me, bro? Like, and it's it's very funny how people can how people do that. But it's <clears throat> we live in an interesting world, and it's important to be a dynamic person and and exactly know how yeah, to handle uh, every type every type of and, and adaptable and a chameleon in any type of situation that you find yourself in. Yeah, right? I agree with that. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Absolutely. So what's your favorite country you've been to, my friend? I like Romania a lot and um, Hungary because of the... It's a modern-day wild, wild west. Really? And what I mean by that is that like uh, the South... Uh, like countries like Brazil or the Dominican Republic, I, um, I have roots there. It feels like um, somebody could walk up and he's the richest man you know in you know in that district and he has a villa right there where he can walk up with a nice car whatever like a Chevrolet. I, I don't know what's cool right now there but you know and in romania then you have a nice like uh i know these supercar shit but then right adjacent that you see like these old school brutalistic communist buildings and it gives this weird tension like a psychological tension i think uh architects would really love that or people are into those kind of psyche stuff it does something to your brain it's like what is this vibe you know and budapest in hungary has that as well that on one side it's very aesthetic it's created by the same viennese architect mm-hmm. and it, it's beautiful to see but at the same time then it's broke as fuck and it's just this wild wild west effect what you describe with that you can walk into places kind of beat i can go with to the dodges ass place but then next try to go to a more better club yeah. and yeah. i just just like the 
the surprise effect. I like to be that my life is sometimes unpredictable to tie it back to what you said, like the movie or the book. You know, when you're when you're reading a good book or watching a, a movie, at least I, when I do, I want to be surprised. Why would you not be want to surprise in your own life? So that's why some countries facilitate it better. Whereas in, Western Europe, whereas in Western Europe, it's a little bit boring for me. I can't be 100% of myself, maybe 80%, 99, 90%. But in those countries, I just walk up. I can do the dumbest ass shit. Well, you have to be careful not to break laws, of course, again, yeah. ending, yeah. notwithstanding. But it feels like a wild old west to me. And when I was younger, apparently I love cowboy stuff. You know, I listened to that uh, Bon Jovi song a lot, that uh, Wanted, Dead or Alive. But I have a plateau where I can try to fully express myself, whether I achieve or not. At least that is the that huge distinction desire that you and I have to break rules kind of beat. And then, well, I at least tried it. And then you get a weird ass story and they're like, yo, why did you have to do that? Or why, why are you like this? And I'm like, I don't know, but I don't at least want a boring life, you know? Yeah. And I think that's very interesting. I haven't actually been to Romania or Hungary. I yeah. wanted to go to uh, Budapest. I, I really, I really always had a fascination with the architecture. And actually my favorite city in Europe is Prague. Oh, I like that one as well. I like it, I love but I've Prague, been only bro. Uh, in a short, short while. That's why, yeah. I love Prague because it, it reminds me of a little vampire town, right? It, it reminds That's me cool. of, a, and you know, I, cool. I really, I really enjoy that. I want to go to Bucharest. Yeah, actually, one of the one of the people I want to I want to really meet is Vlad from from Twitter, Joe Lampton. Oh, you mean Joe Lampton? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I want to meet Vlad very, very much. Actually, yeah. I, I want to actually him, have I him on the show. Yeah, I met him on the club, uh, in the club that that big club in uh, Romania. I just shook his hands because he was a very busy man, and I knew, you know, I know him, and just let him do his thing. But I just made a nod, and he looked at me as like, you know, <laughs> I'll retweet, I'm like kind of like I'll retweet <laughs> you in the morning, you know, so, like just, yeah. just like. And uh, there's a lot of things that I really think I, I'm gonna like about the the other parts of Eastern Europe. Yeah. But I do enjoy Czech Republic because most of them, they speak very good English and the food, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't yeah. really think Czech food is, is the best. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's pretty shit, actually. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I got food poisoning my second day there the first time I was there for a week and I could barely eat. Yeah. So I just huh. drank a bunch of vodka and drank Red Bulls and yeah. pretty much didn't eat for a week. But I, I do like it as well, especially like that. I forgot the name, but the touristy bridge. And then oh, the Charles sea. Bridge. Yeah. And then the nice heavenly glory of the water it is it is impressive to see. It's, a, it's a it's a beautiful city there's beautiful architecture and there's so much of a a mix yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a like a, I, I i love art and i love yeah. design and i love i love the detail okay. and the work that people have put in yeah. you know one of the places i thought was very surreal was actually the vatican yeah yeah vatican. i've been there when i was younger yeah yeah the vatican if if you know anyone hasn't been to the vatican i, I say go to the vatican there's a spiritual essence there and I've heard some things about the Vatican, which are very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. But they, and the history behind the Vatican, right? St. Peter, the apostle, if you're familiar with the religion, was actually mm -hmm. crucified upside down there. Okay. I didn't know. And that. he was he was crucified by the Romans. And if you were Roman, actually, and, and, and you were you were executed, Romans got a quick death, while okay. other people of different religions, and because uh, yeah. Peter the Apostle obviously wasn't wasn't a Christian, he wasn't a he wasn't a Roman. <coughs> excuse me bless you man yep. but he he was crucified there upside down because he felt like he wasn't deserving to be crucified like jesus yeah and rome is a city actually where rome is a city on top of another city if you go to the ancient roman sites the 
ancient Ro- ancient Rome is actually buried beneath the current streets of Rome. It's about buried 15, 20, 30 feet underneath. Yeah. And Vatican, the Vatican was actually the St. P- uh, Peter's Basilica, which is why it's, it's called St. Peter's Basilica, was because Peter was crucified on that Vatican Hill upside down um, yeah. because he didn't deserve to be crucified like, like Jesus, or is what he said. Mm-hmm. He... Uh, Cons- Emperor Constantine, I believe, I yeah. believe it was Emperor Constantine, but they built the old basilica there on Vatican. They built uh, the old church on, on Vatican Hill, and actually, the Vatican is built on top of the old church. Mm-hmm. And underneath that old church, okay. I believe it's called. I'm not sure what it's called. It starts with an S, yeah. but yeah, I think it's the Scali or something. But it's it's there's actually ancient catacombs that run underneath of the old Vatican. Okay. Like catacombs say, kind of beat catacombs and it actually dates back to pre pre-christian uh europe or pre-christian yeah. pre-christian yeah. rome where they used to worship uh jupiter and and the scaffolding the, the buildings on top yeah okay. exactly and there's some very interesting things that are underneath there and there's but, a, a but what was the reason then why they did that because they wanted to push away that side of the religion or i believe so I be- so so it's buried and there's ancient that you can actually look this up online because there's some photos sure. but there's ancient catacombs that are that are buried <laughs> underneath underneath the vatican and the vatican is a very sacred place and it used to be <laughs> a and and honest and what's funny is it used to be the the seat of where they used to worship the pagan gods right yep. like uh, like Jupiter, oh, yeah, I know, Venus, I know that, yeah. Mars, uh, uh, Minerva, those, those yeah, Jupiter, things, right? yeah, like you said, yeah. right. So, and, and the reason, and the reason I say that is because it's it's about the the architecture of of how they built it. The Vatican is the biggest building I've ever seen in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. in terms of in terms of just grandeur. Oh, grandeur. Um, David, uh, did you then go to in in France? You have Paris, and then you have the Versailles. Versailles. I have not. I have not actually been to. You should Paris. check that. Not to like a dig measuring con- a contest, but that was very um, because of the mass volume and it was beautiful as well. It was kind of like blind as somebody who loves aesthetic. You could feel the sheer volume and volley of uh, this magnanimous power at the because, Palace of Versailles. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, that's one. That's the one I meant. And especially the gardens would be a nice date with one of your with your main group or whatever, because how beautiful it is. Women love to go there. And I think it was, of course, Queen Josephine who frequented there when Napoleon mm. uh, pwned that palace kind of beat. He has his, oh, for example, that glory that you're talking about, history. I, I have that as well. He had a huge ass portrait of himself in the palace and he had his bedroom and stuff like that. And you just stand there and you, you feel something, right? And uh, yeah, you'll like it there. That sounds beautiful. Um... The, I, I love aesthetics and I love the, and it's very, it's very interesting you say that because it's one of the places that I think is very surreal that I've only seen online. Yeah. And it, I, it's, it's very interesting the way that history not only repeats itself, but what they've done and, and see, <coughs> especially with Rome, Rome. Mm-hmm. So anywhere in Rome, if you've been to Rome, have you been to Rome? I've been a couple of times. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, so you know that the ancient, ancient Rome is, is buried underneath it. Yeah. And honestly, like, Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very surreal to see the just the sheer level of detail that mm-hmm. people hundreds and thousands of years ago put into the things that they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they say about um, Michelangelo and his David in uh, Florence? I think mm-hmm. that you can see by the fingernails or something, or you know how precious it is, like so detailed, like how many hours went into the hand of David? Kind of. They say that's the master 
piece of the whole piece or something. You see mm -hmm. zoomed in photos of that, like yeah. So I haven't been to uh, to Florence to see the David of Michelangelo, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. I I, but it was to be felt just from a photo, right? And yeah. can you imagine yeah. these great monsters or their whole team? You know, if they didn't do it alone, you know, and it's just impressive the sheer you know effort they put in it. You know, it's and and also on top of that, if you want to get spiritual for a second, the sheer yeah. level of energy that yeah yeah, yeah. Like, there's an energy exchange there, right? Because yeah. the it's only like thing, alchemy, yeah, like alchemy. Exactly, like you can have a watch, right? Like you yeah. or you can have something that that you own, right? Or or something that's been passed down through generations, and there's yeah. there's experience that comes with that, and that that I think is what creates sentimental value, because yeah. that the person has put their energy into doing that thing. Yeah, and when you put, and I think there are certain places in the world that have a lot more energy than others, and it has to do with the history and and the amount of people that have been there. And that's why I re I really enjoy Europe, and I really enjoy places like you know like. That's Bob interesting, or, David. Or, I was just talking with a bro on Telegram right before I jumped into uh, this podcast with you. That's a nice thing. Ex exactly what you said. Yeah. So. The, the way that, that I think energy is created, but I think when you go to these different places and you experience that, you kind of start to look at places like America and you're like, what the, like what's going on here? Like, why, <laughs> yeah. did, why did we lose that? <laughs> why, like, yeah. why, why, did we, why did we lose that? But yeah. So let me ask you this. You're working on a book. Yeah. And when do you, when do you are you a person, because you're a very analytical person and you're sure. very deliberate in the things that you do. Are you, when you do things, are you more kind of scattered or are you very deliberate or, or outlined in the things that you do? I, I feel like me as a person, I'm very scattered. And when I have an mm -hmm. idea, I have to just get it done instead of waiting and sitting on it and having it all outlined. Yeah. So a little tied to the small convo we had off cam before, you know, you asked me, am I a reader? Well, I am. But that was tied to my identity of the guy who I was before Fury kind of that. Sure. I was an overthinker and overthinker leads to not taking action. Yep. You know, like what is that Shakespeare quote uh, in between action and the deed or oh, between the thought and the action, it's a phantasm, like a ghost that needs to be trans transgressed kind of be. So TLDR, now I have become in the last couple of months since I, oh, I, that's what I meant with the Paul guy. Ever since he said that line, there's something like, it was weird. I don't know why it was that guy. Maybe because his name was close to one of the apostles, like Paul, you know, St. Paul. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I was, I changed from March till now. So just between us, or well, the listeners, three, three months that I've been trying to not copy, but get inspiration from guys like you that are more free-flowing, more loose, more spont spontaneous. I can feel that through tweets, right? I read a thread thing. I appreciate I that. Should, yeah. I, I should be more, you know, uh, like fucking sending it to the moon kind of beat. And that is why I've been rewarded, I feel, by, you know, people were like, well, why did you get invited to the altar show? This was just because I gave glory to the God or the universe or whatever. And then you get invited to weird ass stuff that you did not understand. But through some esoteric woo alchemic exchange that I get respect for the spirit and the energy and the devotion that I put in my craft and my being and to try to be this legend that I, you know, when I was a kid thought to be like Achilles, you know, that famous meme. That's why no one will remember your name. We amongst the bros say that to each other, like, yo, that's why they won't remember your name. You know, to tease a little bit, but to you know, next time do better, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so the TLDR, I used to be very like scheduled, but to tie it a little bit also what you asked me, like the thought process of cigars and unwinding and stuff like that. Mm, I combined yeah, both. Yeah. So I was boozing for four days straight by accident. And I thought to just take a breather by myself in my garden with a sun and a cigar. I knew it was going to take me an hour. So I 
um, how do you call this? Deep unplug. So I put yeah, my phone yeah. away. I checked that there's nothing important. Basically, just my parents. I don't care about other people that much. But anyway, I put my phone away. But then I take my journal and I just put it there because I know if my mind is quiet, it's going to want to talk to me. And then I do this thing now that combines best of both worlds. So I just made a to-do list, but by accident, it became 20 things that after I was done with the cigar that I had to do, talk to XYZ people on my phone, you know, and um, I had to get it done and just put it underneath each other. And when the cigar was done, I had my rest, so to say, uh, I went back at it. And that is that combination, I would say now of being a little bit unscattered like you, but also intentful with a type of schedule so electronic stuff don't work for me anymore that actually with this kind yeah. of yeah. i'd have to open notion but that's on my phone again you know the blue light and the dopamine receptors or all these notifications instagram twitter it's, it's not working for me so i need that combination of plugged and unplugged and on it and not on it so for example you know uh, on twitter like i respond to dms as well if i can see that it would get me a good deal out of it almost like um if you play chess like bullet chess yeah uh, one minute or well ra rapid is three minutes or bullet is one minute and then you feel that something can happen if you would make xyz moves you don't know what really is going to happen because it's too fast actually but you can yeah. feel yeah. like a kinetic exchange that can happen and I, I started getting really good at it so i'm talking to this guy i just say yo what's up blah blah and he says, then uh, this and this can happen in terms of a deal or something. I thought, well, I did not expect that he was going to say that, but it was an exchange of goodwill and good energy. And I just shot for it like uh, like Mikael Tao in, uh, in in the history books of chess. He just threw yeah. like a sacrifice, yeah. uh, like a full queen. Just go there. Let's see what happens. Sometimes I do that in terms of interactions or um, I'll be texting with people like at 4 a.m. And they'll be thinking, yo, does this bro does not sleep? And I'll be like, well, I was awake by then, you know, and that is that spontaneity to tie yeah. it off. Yeah. yeah. That improv that I like so much. Who's your favorite chess player? Uh, I like Mikael Tal a lot. Uh, I like Emery Tate, the father of uh, the Tate brothers, a lot because he was wild as hell. If you just I, look at his game, uh, you know, away I've, see, from I've the, seen some of his games. Uh, are brilliant. Brilliant games. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant yeah, games. yeah. Um, I, I yeah. love um, personally my like favorite chess match of all time is Gary Kasparov versus Anatoly Karpov, the world championship. Where he yeah. had eight, he had eight different forced mates. Yeah, and I remember I watched, I watched him explain it. Yeah, Man, just the way the, I have such a fascinating, like you know, Magnus Carlsen is is the undisputed greatest of all time. Yeah, right. But there's a beauty in the way that the old game was played due mm -hmm. to the lack of of ability to tr like you had to train over a board, right? You couldn't sit yeah, there yeah. and play chess on your phone. And I think playing chess on the internet is 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 it's fun, but there's nothing that that recreates the ability to sit over a board with your opponent and actually and actually play yeah right you know we uh, i play with with my best friend i haven't played in a while but we we play and we're very similar in terms of rating um somewhere around you know 1500 because we've been playing for years he's he's very good one it's like one if you drop one pawn the game is over yeah right and it's the brutality of the game mm -hmm. Where if you make, and I think this has a lot to do with life. It's it's some some mistakes are unrecoverable, but most mistakes, especially most mistakes, are recoverable. When the yeah. game of chess, it's like there's a certain beauty to the way that, it, especially if you're sitting over a board and you, you don't have the tool on on the computer. If you're playing yeah. on a laptop, where you can draw out lines and go, okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. This takes this takes. It's the beauty yeah. of of kind of calculation. Yeah, and I think that more people need to approach their life like a game of chess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that, that you also need to find beauty in the ways that you do things. And I think 
most nice. people don't find enough beauty in the things that they do, right? In the process, right? In chess, right. if you're playing white, the entire game is an attack, right? The entire game yeah. is an advance. Like right? an advance, so, yeah. yeah. So as you start to slowly, like, and, and there's, you know, you're a chess player, there's fundamental rules of the game where, okay, so if you castle king side, you, st you start to slowly expand on the queen side and start to expand your influence, expand your influence until it's checkmate for the opponent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But black can do the same thing. And as you expand on the queen side, they can expand on the king side and start to retaliate. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah, look yeah. at I look yeah. at the world kind of as especially with the things I do now is slow advance. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Slow yeah. advance, slow, slow advance, advance, slow advance, yeah. slow advance. And then you're you're playing certain forcing moves in certain different ways. If you're in competition yeah. with another business or if yep. you're you're launching a product or something like that, it's it's all it's it, it all begins to be a forcing move to further yeah. your influence on the board. That's very cool. Cool to hear. Of course, you know, uh, I'm not that arrogant to think that there was not another person who thinks like that, but it's cool to hear that somebody else thinks like that as well. Me and my bros, we joke that, you know, this is like when you're playing chess, that's in the 3D reality. Yeah. But life has the extra time component, right? So mm. it would be like 4D chess minimum. Mm -hmm. And um, if you go to a higher dimension, it would be 5D. But 4D is that time element, which is a little bit tricky. That in chess, it's limited to, you know, if you play classic, it, yeah, it's limited that. But a lot of people should play more 4D chess. They would benefit from it, you know. Like if I if I speak with David on this podcast, what will happen? You know, uh, yeah. the podcast will be uploaded on that. Um, for oh, what uh, I didn't expect that, but it was felt or expected in a way. For example, I think your friend Mason from the Syndicate, you know, he followed me on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought like, oh yeah, uh, I think he's you know close to like David and stuff like that. I was like, oh yeah, it makes sense, you know. And then I started talking to him on the timeline, <clears> talking about cigars and stuff like that. Yeah, and yeah. that's a little bit that chess move feeling that you feel that it's gonna come. Let's say you're a fighter, then as well, you know when to walk away from something. You know, let's say you don't want to prove yourself in some dodgy ass alley, you know, mm -hmm. and you just feel it coming, like the sixth sense or your gut or your intuition has to be well, you know, like train everything. It has to be trained in the old fashion as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Dodgy, dodgy fights and dodgy alleys. I've had a couple, couple of those. <laughs> Couple of those, man. Yeah, man, you gotta be careful of those kinds. You gotta be very careful, but you know, thank. Yeah, because yeah, it becomes something that is up for stake that is sometimes not worth it. You know, let's say you're a, you're an influential man in your circle, people like you, people love you. It is worth more for you to stay alive for the people around you than some, I don't know, some numb, some numb, no name kind of guy who just wants to risk everything in like a weird ass way. It, it, it makes no sense, you know. So. I, I agree. And some things you have to, like you just said, bro, I completely agree. Some things you do have to walk away from. Some fights aren't worth fighting. Yeah. No, but yeah, I, I have to check my ego a lot of times, you know, and yeah, that's why I just try to live by that. Beautiful. Beautiful. So what's kind of your, what's your plan over the next, you know, let's say six months, because I think life changes rapidly three to six months at a time. What's your plan over the next six months? What are some things that you, that you want to do? Most people are thinking about the summer, you know, um, for example, I don't have a girlfriend, so I don't have to go on holiday with her or anything. Um, so I'm not really thinking about the summer. Uh, I don't know. I don't have this. Maybe oh, I'm a little bit older than most younger guys. I think something happened internally in my mind. It's and maybe somebody would call coke, but I don't feel the need to um, party and booze that much more. I, I have that behind me or something because, oh, because of the solo 
you know, solo boozing and travels and stuff. It's behind me a little bit. And it's tied to like gaming women. I still am a heterosexual guy, you know, so I, I have nothing against gaming, but I, I'm not pulling my energy into that. More that what they talk about in that Napoleon Hill book, right? Or that, that transmutation of energy kind of beat. So I'm just really trying to forge my, my writing into this one book that is coming that will take me minimum a month or a couple of weeks. And then a project that I just texted my bro um, that it was um, that's on Twitter. We do the lead agency. I have a, a project with him coming up as well. I was so basically I'm quite full of like multiple ideas, but yeah. I have to select the one which will give the most ROI, the highest ROI for the least amount of time, you know, within this time frame of three months. And uh, yeah, just pound on this like uh, domineering presence that I have, you know, people start yeah. talking smoke. When I was a young, uh, like a younger guy, they always hated me kind of, but now my online presence, they start to hate me more. And that means I'm on the ascent. And I start people smell it in real life as well. They gave me shit. Yo, a little bit what you said. If you go to nice establishments, they got to test you, right? Have you been here? Yeah. You know, have you been here? And like, bro, like, what is this, you know? And um, try to actually, because uh, I am now mainstay like in Belgium, Brussels, try to make that city also a nice place to be around, you know, and... That, that is like within three months. Further than that, I haven't really looked because uh, maybe something surprising will come up that I have to leverage from that point on. But I would say within three months, that is something that is palpable in my mind and um, daily life. Are you happy? Uh, happy? Oh yeah, that's a funny thing actually. When My favorite quote of that is the, the Viktor Frankl one. The, if you chase happiness, it's not there. And much like success, you have to go the long route and then eventually it will come. When I was younger, I was fixated on happiness and a little bit that blue pill mindset that I was tied to long-term relationship with a woman, you know, kind of be. And I've now found that if I go about my daily life in terms of this adage, you know, focus on your mission first king, it's true for me, yeah. to be honest. Um, I'm content and I don't feel stressed. I do feel stress of the, the pressure that you have to perform. That's a different style of pressure. And I like to, oh, nice little segue back to use the perfect emotional vocabulary. So happy is like too harshly mm. entrenched with the dichotomy between happy and sad, right? Or happy and unhappy. I like to nuance it. And I think linguistics come to play here. You could say I'm very unhappy or I'm slightly happy or I'm satiated with this meal that I just had or I had a nice sexual liaison with this woman that gives me a joyful feeling in this five to 10 minutes and then post not clarity happens, then I have to chase another girl. That's a different emotion because it's so precise. Uh, like, uh, what is his name? Like the Ludwig Wittgenstein, the philosopher, that your, the, the, your reality is as big as your vocabulary kind. And the, the, the broader your, well, if like your main language is English, as is mine, how I think, the broader, more precise, more sharp, and semantically it hits, I'm not gonna feel displeased that fast, you know? When something happens, I'll be like, well, that was unoptimal. You know, I'd even force it to say like that to to change my emotional state of being through my linguistics, because those are tied. You know, how you yeah. speak is yeah. how you think is how you feel and is how you are. And it's a either feedback loop or crisscross. I don't know how it works. Yeah. 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 You, so I'm, you but, seem I'm, like I'm, a man who lives on his own terms. Right. Yeah, I so think there's a that. sense of, yeah. of yeah. contentment that comes with that. But yeah. it seems like you're still chasing, obviously, you're chasing financial success and you're chasing impact and you're chasing legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Conquest. I can agree to that. Yeah, I can agree to that. And I think that it's that, what is that thing that uh, the chase is better than the cash? 
this classic American line or something. Mm-hmm. I think if you, tr- I don't love the game actually. There's this quote of this movie. I love the game. I love the game. You would never hear that out of my mouth. I despise losing actually. When I was younger, you give me a game. I don't even want to play if I'm going to lose kind of, but I do get a kick out of that. What you just said, conquest, glory, campaigns, you know, I'd yeah. be like, I just yeah. lost the battle, but my life is the campaign. I get a kick out of that. For example, my favorite fiction book is Blood Meridian. And specifically this passage uh, on page 230 or something where he says, war is like God. Well, I'm not an atheist like that, but war is always waiting for you. War endures and war is the ultimate trait and man is the ultimate practitioner. And he goes into full-blown essay like that. And I I think, uh, you know, how do you say, I think about this often. Well, I do think literally about this often, how to verbalize things as warfare. You know how we were uh, on a microcosm or analogy taking that back with chess which is like a battlefield right you're like destroying stuff and it's very as a man you think like fuck you know it, it you feel it yeah, and yeah. especially when you uh, plunder and pillage like you know go to nice euro trips and get a nice cool girl you're like yeah you know it's good and i feel that i love that humans are the ultimate man is the ultimate practitioner of war that's very very interesting I'll send you the, so I took, a, I don't have the book, write me in this house, but I took a couple photos. I made a tweet of it. I'll, um, I'll write it down. I'll send you that, you know, then you See, can really feel, feel that. My favorite, uh, it, yeah. you mentioned a lot of writers, right? One of my favorite movies is actually this Jesse Eisenberg movie that he did. And it's based on a Dostoevsky novel called the Dop- the double. And it's, oh, it's, it's I've uh, never watched that, but very, that's very an eclectic choice. Yeah. It's, it's very one of my fa- it's one of my favorite movies. Um, my yeah. I believe my favorite book. I haven't read a, a, a work of fiction in a while, but yeah. I want to go back to to you know the stuff that I grew up reading. It's it's The yeah. Great Gatsby. Oh know? yeah, bro! It's my it's my it's how I got started on reading the classics. Yeah, it's The Great Gatsby, and, and Gatsby is chasing this light at the end of the dock, and he's reaching out. Right, and I, and I think of. I think of some goals, right? And I think it's like, you know, we can imagine that we're all, we're all in, in, a, in a sense, reaching out towards a green light. And most yeah. people actually never get a chance to get it, right? Yeah. But That's, I think there's a yeah. certain type of man and a certain type of, of person, and not, not only man, but woman in life who is able to go and they're able to reach the things that they want to reach, right? And we're all yeah. reaching out, reaching out for this green light. And once we get it, we not only do we have it, but we all, there's another green light to find, right? Once you yeah. climb to the top of, once you time to climb to the top of a mountain, there, there's another one to climb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I love that book for that reason. Yeah. And, you know, obviously the, the other stories is like, you know, don't, don't get hung up on some girl who doesn't give a fuck about you. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Daisy character. We all know. And, the, that, and yeah. that, and that, you know, you could get rich as fuck and, and the girl that you want is still not going to, not going to want you. Right. And, don't pine after, don't pine after something and, and don't chase an enigma of a reality. Yeah. But the, the, you know, I, I think of my life as, as, you know, there's, there's been many times that I'm standing on that dock reaching out for that, that metaphorical green light, but I, yeah. I've been able to catch it quite a couple of times, except there's not, yeah. there's another brighter, shinier light to, to go grab. Yeah. It's I fun, love, but, uh, go ahead. Can I interject there one second, Dave, but how fast does that, how fast does it happen in your brain? Like that, transformation or transgression from the one green light to another does it happen with you within minutes i've heard that from some guys or does it take you more days or weeks or how do i see that so i think about it as like as creating harmony 
right? There's like, okay, like I, I want to be, I want to be pushing a Lambo pretty soon, right? Just in terms of like, just financial materialistic things that I want. But once you get a Lambo, you want a Ferrari, right? Then you want an Aston Martin. Then you want a McLaren, right? Then you want a G-Wagon. Then you want the AMG, right? So it's yeah. like, there's a bunch of shit that you can chase. And I think you have to find, like I said, you have to find beauty in the things that you do. And if you, if you live, if you live your life looking at the beauty in, in certain situations, positive or negative, I think it makes them easier to, easier to achieve. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's nice. But it happens, very, it happens float, very fast. Float, yeah. It happens very fast. Right. Like I have, I have one project that I'm, that I'm going to beginning to work that I'm beginning to work on. But the thing is, yeah. is what you need is you need vision. Right. I, I said okay. this, I think I was speaking with a couple of, uh, I think I was speaking with Matt Kelly on the, on the podcast, but mm -hmm. I said in order to, so in order to achieve, achieve what you want to achieve, you need three things. You need a vision, you need a plan and you need tenacious work ethic. Right. Yeah. The only thing that can't change is the ability of your work ethic. Right. But your vision yeah. and your plans change. Sometimes the scope of reference gets bigger and sometimes the vision gets larger and sometimes it gets smaller depending on where you're at. Yeah, right? exactly. So you, you start to create a new vision, right? After money, then you have power and influence. Yeah. Once, exactly. you, once you have enough money, money becomes irrelevant. So you have to change the scope of the vision. You have to zoom out. Now, what can I do with this? Do I want power and influence? What else do I want to achieve, right? What other yeah. mountains do I, do I think I have the potential or the ability to climb? Yeah. Now, it happens very fast for me. A lot of people need to take a couple of days to kind of figure out what they want to do. But yeah, usually yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm of the school of thought. You just start doing shit and then you figure it out. Right. I tell everybody who, who I, I coach inside of inside of my my community, right inside mm -hmm. of Cashflow Syndicate. I said, look, I said, well, you guys are too busy worrying about the technicalities, how to how to use like how to integrate shit like on like an email service provider. I'm like, yo, just get on a fucking sales call, sell the shit and then get paid to do it right? Yeah, Figure yeah, out yeah. the tactics afterwards. The tactics yeah, yeah. don't matter, right? You don't need to know how to do all this shit with setting up like this, 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 and this, or, or, or reaching out or just, yeah. just get the client first and close the deal. So I'm, I'm a very big fan of just, of just trying it because what you need is you need the reference experience. And once you have the reference experience, then you start to adjust. I think I heard yeah. actually heard Justin Waller say this, right? Mm -hmm. If you're shooting a gun and you see where the bullet, the bullet goes and you shoot the gun, then you can adjust your aim. But most yeah. people never even fucking pick up the gun. They never even go yeah, down yeah. to the shooting range to go fucking start shooting. Right? Yeah, yeah. The they sit there and they yeah. watch videos about guns or they sit there and read books about guns or articles. And they're like, oh, well, maybe the Sig Sauber is a little more accurate than the Glock. Bro, you shoot a Glock at point blank range, you shoot anything in point blank range, you're going to hit something. Yeah. Right. So you're going to, you're yeah. going to hit, you're going to hit something. So it's just about, you got to, you got to take, you got to take the shots. And, and that's kind of yeah. how I've, I, and I used to be on the other end. And I used to be like, Oh, well, I'm going to wait. And I'm going to see like, what books can I read about sales? And I remember this, this, this guy I used to work under, um, he was the managing director of a financial firm. His name is Austin, Austin. And Austin was like, dude, he's like, look, I could give you all the books in the world. He's like, the best way you're going to learn is by picking up the fucking phone and start calling people. Yeah. Right. Dude, my first like 100, 200 calls, bro, I shit my pants. Like I was like, dude, like I didn't know what I was doing, right? But now I can get on the phone with anybody. I can talk to anybody, right? So, and and I really enjoy reading. So going back to books, like I, I really enjoy like reading or, or learning about philosophy and, and, histori and things with historical context. I think it's very important to understand the way people used to conquer the world. Yeah. It's something I was talking about. I think you might have saw my little rant that I went on, but the way you influence a culture is you have to win the hearts and minds of people. If you influence one person, you can influence a million. And if you influence a million, you can influence the whole world. Oh yeah. That's like right? a Napoleon quote as well. Yep. Uh, he said he and Alexander conquered like nations through yep. swords and whatever. However, Jesus Christ did it with 
hearts and minds and you know yeah, yeah. imagine Just, if you had like imagine i, I think uh, the the thing i said in on, on one of our one of our chats was i said you know imagine you have 10 people 10,000 people at a very similar uh, you know level of power and influence and financial financial means and they all come together to accomplish a goal then you can change the world right yeah so it's about that but uh in you know we've we've talked about so many things over the course of this conversation but i'll, I'll you know I, it's it's very interesting the way people's mind works and, and kind of how to hack their not only productivity but the way that they see the world and their mentality yeah. right and once you influence, once you influence somebody and you change their life in a positive manner, whether it's through the spoken word, whether it's through audio, whether it's video, whether whatever it is, you start yeah. to change their and impact their identity on a fundamental level. And I think what we're starting to see now is, is people starting to wake up and, and people starting to genuinely understand that they need to take control of their, their own lives. And, and they're, they're not, as, they're not necessarily as asleep as they used to be a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right. It's very easy to become distracted. It's very easy to be caught up in the current thing and 100%. i think the more people that the more that people take responsibility and that take accountability for their own actions and the way that they live their lives and and start to to cause trouble and and you know get their message out there i think we're going to see a beautiful thing happen in the next couple of years because the world right now is a very dark place it is yeah you can feel you can see it in people's eyes actually yeah mm -hmm. so yeah let's hope for the best man yeah let's shoot let's for, for the best fury it was a pleasure Thank you so much, David. Do you have any, uh, uh, do you have any final thoughts, bro? No, just I made two notes, two tweets I'm going to send to you, just between you and I. But other than that, I, no, I actually learned a lot because I do know that your sales experience is greater than mine, you know, like uh, that symbol, you know. Um, but it, so I was learning, oh, that's my, if somebody would say, what's your thing or something, I learn really fast. So in this convo, that's why I actually take these convos. Let's say somebody would be a great, uh, equal or greater writer. I don't like that podcast because I'm like, bro, you, you're already a good writer. I'm okay, good writer. I'm not going to compete with you. You know, I'm not going to uh, outcompete each other. But with you, I know there were things to be learned and I learned a lot. That's all I have to say. Learned a lot from you as well, my friend. I would love, I would love to have you on again. I think it's a great conversation that we had. And um, I believe, yeah. so I'll be, in, I'll be in Europe in about a month and uh, maybe we can catch up for a cigar. Thank you so much, sir. Have a good day. Absolutely, bro. Thank you so much. Till next time. Cool. Absolutely. Bye.